1: would you stand with me? We're going to honor God's Word. We've been studying the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's look and see what it says. It says, "...all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer." A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared in meals with great joy and generosity." All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, what's the result? The Lord added to their fellowship by those who were being saved. God, I pray that you would enlighten these scriptures again as we dive in. And Lord, I pray that we would walk away with application beyond even the potluck today that you would challenge us to be people of your word. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Over the past eight or nine weeks, Pastor Bobby and I have been in a, a cohort, a training called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it's something we're going to do in the fall, and we've been working behind the scenes with it. And in it, it's one of the weeks. Uh, there was a week where you go back to go forward, and you kind of look at your past. And I have never done this, but we did a grief and loss chart. So it's a chart of your life uh, in different age brackets, like when you're a kid and teenage, adolescent, teenager, uh, so on and so forth, young adult, um, average adult. whatever. And and you say, you look in your life saying, when did I uh, lose something? Where was there grief? Where was I disappointed? And then the other part of the chart is you say, what was my response? And it's interesting that in mine, I listed out a bunch of different things and my response on probably three-fourths of the times I had loss or grief or disappointment is that my response was I worked Now, I believe in a good work ethic. That's important. But really, what I realized is that I would strive in in my own strength. And it's not all that flattering where I would just work harder. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, When I was a kid. I was teased uh, when I was 10 or 11 years old. I showed up to basketball practice with knockoff Nike shoes. And I've shared this story before. And, uh, and I, at that moment, I, I was so excited for those shoes. But I, I said in my mind, and I didn't even realize it, but I was like, I will never be teased for my shoes again. And so I worked hard. I started a little business, and I had more money at 12 and 13-year-old uh, than I should ever have. And, uh, and I just started buying my own clothes, and it was going to be name brand. It was going to be expensive, and I was going to flaunt it. I worked harder. A few years later, I didn't make my freshman basketball team. And I, instead of just getting down, which I was down and disappointed, I worked harder. I came back the next year. I made JV. And then by the end of my JV year, I was playing varsity uh, for the playoffs. I didn't actually ever play. I just sat on the bench. But it was a pretty cool honor to be bumped up at the end. I worked harder. And there are other things that are more personal that I'd, in my life, that the same kind of pattern that I realized. And the guy that was leading our table, uh, he, when I was doing my one-on-one with him, looking at this grief and loss chart, he says, Ben, what if you did less and God did more? And I'm telling you, I was like, what? I'm like, is that even possible? I was like, that would be amazing. If, God, if I did less, God did more. And I had the similar sense as I studied this week, the idea of being devoted to food. And I want to explain that. Devoted to sharing in meals, verse 42, including the Lord's Supper, plus sharing in meals with great joy and generosity, verse 6. In six verses, it says two different times. It's like it's double important, and so we should be paying attention to that. And the result at the end of uh, those six verses in Acts that we just read, people were saved, the church grew, and the gospel was preached, to the, end, to the end is being preached to the ends of the earth. And you're, I'm thinking, what is happening here? We share everything, food included, snacks and drinks, hospitality, generosity, which we're going to talk about. And the result was that people were saved. And by the way, that's why we exist as a church. I'm saying, is that possible? Well, let's look at it. Let's talk about food for a moment. In this room, you are in one of two. Categories and I, you have to vote. You cannot just sit there and not vote for one of these. Okay, on one side, there are people that live to eat, that means they exist, they love food. They're just like, Man, I live to eat. I'm just get here. They, they, and then there are other people. I don't understand them, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone yet, uh, but uh, that eat just to live. So they're like, all right, I know I've got to eat, and there's no pleasure in their eating. Or they just eat health food, vegetables, and that's it, and no sugar. God created sugar, folks. Can I get a witness? (laughs) So you have to vote. All right, are you the type that you live to eat? Just raise your hand, all right? Okay, that's pretty good. And are there those here that eat Just to live. And again, there's a big difference. I'm not the judge, but there is one that's better than the other. (laughs) And, And with food, let's talk about food. Food is the great equalizer, it's the common denominator with people. The fact is, we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds, but we all eat. It gives us permission to embrace a verse like 1 Corinthians 10:31 that says so whatever you eat or whatever you drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of God. I will tell you, that verse inspires me. I love it. If there are snacks left around here at the church, I consider it manna from heaven. And I'm not kidding. If you've ever left something and it wasn't labeled and it's gone, sorry. I I enjoy something. Like if there's food or there's drinks left around, I'm like, yes, this is great. If it's not labeled, it's free game. Warning. Even sometimes when it's labeled <laughs> food, it breaks down barriers, it relaxes people, it's more than just sustaining of life. So you say, What is it about food? And what's crazy is even in the Gospels, I went through all four Gospels looking for examples where Jesus in food and eating, and, and there are so many examples where Jesus had key moments. And it was connected around eating. Let's talk about it. The wedding, uh, the very the wedding at Cana, the very first time Jesus did a miracle around food and drink. Right? They ran out of drinks. Jesus turns the water into wine. You know there was a festival and lots of food. How about the feeding of the five thousand or feeding of the four thousand? Moments with people reclining at tables. The Passover, which is a highlight of the Old Testament and redefined in the New Testament. There's preparation. It's significant. How about Jesus with his disciples? He's washing his disciples' feet. How many love that story and would love to reenact that this morning? Nobody, right? But uh, in John 13, after his disciples wash, or he washes his feet, what does it say in verse 2? It says, it was time for supper. There was food. Jesus reinstates Peter over fire in a meal, a nice fish dinner. There's one other example. Pastor Bobby showed it, showed it to me, and I had never seen this before, but in the Luke passage, after Jesus is raised from the dead, and we're, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is talking about the apostles' teaching and going back to the Old Testament and just like this beautiful discourse, I'm sure, after hours of teaching, Jesus is not revealed who he is. But something happens as they sit down to eat. Look at it. Luke 24. It says, As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open over a meal and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Pretty crazy. It was over a meal. And it was connected with communion, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Shared meals. It bonds people together. Now, I, in my family, I get teased a lot, and my wife and my son were here, both uh, first service. Uh, they're actually on their way home and getting ready, and then I'm going to meet, and then boom, we'll be out of here. Um, but I get teased in my house a lot, that I have these sayings that I say over and over. In fact, my kids will roast me, and some of you are like, man, they shouldn't do that. And I agree. But, um, but they'll be like, they'll, they'll say something that I say over and over, and then they'll say, because I'm Ben Vey, or I'm Ben Vey, and this and this, and I'm Ben Vey, this and this. Well, well, listen, when my family gets together around the table, even if it's just been the three of us recently, I've said this, and I will say, do you know how rare this is? Because in this day and age, it seems like families don't eat together, <clears throat> And I'm like, do you know how, raz- uh, how rare this is? Was, my kids would, would be growing up, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, I'm like, man, what in the world? Um, uh, and, and I would often just lean in and be like, do you know how rare this is? And then they, now they'll say it all the time. Do you, do you know how rare this is? I'm Ben Vey. <laughs> you know, whatever. But anyway, <clears throat> do you know how rare this is? And so over a meal, what happens, though, is we let our guards down discussions happen, right? And it's a similar way, like the gift makes way for the giver. Uh, We model that with go serve. The same is true with food. Food opens up the door for deeper conversations. What date night doesn't have food, right? What birthday or holiday doesn't have food, Anyone hungry? By the way, don't worry, I'm, I will make this quick. Let's look at it. Acts chapter two, verse forty-six. It says they shared their meals with great joy. Everyone, say "great joy." I could just imagine the joy, the laughter, the abundance, getting to know someone. that's what they were experiencing. And the same can be true for us. Sharing a meal, you can, it can become very personal, it can become intimate. Think about your first date at a nice restaurant, right? Food. We all must eat, but there's more to than just food. It can become an experience. It continues that verse. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Say generosity. What does it make you think of when you think of generosity? For me, it's the word hospitality, and I want to hone in on that for a moment. In my mind, my mind goes to my Aunt Sandy in San Diego, California, where, where we're headed. Uh, today, we'll get there by Tuesday evening. But the first time I stayed as an adult, as an adult, with my Aunt Sandy, uh, my son and I, we flew out to on our first surf trip. It was a couple of years ago. And my aunt, before we came, asked us what was our favorite drink and what was our favorite snacks. And she blessed us with not just a little of it. I mean, it was mounds. It was more than what we could use for the entire week. We left a bunch. I mean, we use it all week long. Not only was she generous in that, she had a camper, and she pulled it into San Alejo Beach right uh, on the state park, right overlooking the ocean, and she gifted that to us. And she's done that five times now in the last two years, which is kind of wild. But my Aunt Sandy, I told her, I texted her this morning, I said, hey, I'm using you as an illustration, and, uh, and, and just wanted you to know. And this is what she said. She said, thanks, Ben. Please be sure to include this that she learned that attitude from her friend, Rhonda. She learned it from her parents, Bill and Florence, who were Presbyterian missionaries to Lebanon and Syria. They met in California, although Bill is of Armenian descent. Their daughter, my friend, was born in Lebanon and grew up in in the sweet villages. Their attitude, she says, and grace and warmth and depth were absolutely life changing for her, for her. And she said, glad you're sharing about this. And then she said, please tell them that I'm a character and a rascal and not a saint. <laughs> Aunt Sandy, you are a saint if you're watching. And, uh, and she is so hospitable. I mean, uh, she's who came to mind when I thought of hospitality. Pastor Bobby stayed there uh, with her. I had a different trip that we were in San Diego for a conference. And uh, Joe, I don't know if you ever met my Aunt Sandy yet when we were out in California together. No, I don't think so. But, uh, but thoughts of generosity and hospitality come to me when I think of my Aunt Sandy. Just this last week, I also learned of a guy named Will Gudara. I'm not sure if, how you say that. You can write it down. You can look him up. Uh, but he is famous in the restaurant world. In fact, he, his restaurant is ranked one of the best restaurants in the world. We're talking Michelin Stars, Four Star Plus, and uh, he was on a podcast and he shared his story, his journey, uh, how he became and how his restaurant became known. And it started as a passion project after he turned 12 years old. Uh, at, when he turned 12 years old, his dad took him to the Four Seasons in, in uh, New York. A fine dining establishment. I've never been to a four-star restaurant. I said first service, Jessica was here. I said, we're empty nesting now. And, uh, and if any of you have ever been to a four-star and are planning to go again, take me and Jessica along. We could probably use the, the boost. Anyway yeah like good luck right but that he talks about this guy will talks about his journey and how he learned the power of hospitality so much so that he recently Wrote a book called Unreasonable Hospitality. And there are so many good takeaways in that podcast. I forwarded it to the whole team. I said, You got to listen to this. And there's things that we can improve on here with hospitality at the church. But the thing that really gripped me, I couldn't get my mind off so much so that I went back to the show notes and got it quote uh, word for word. He said, This people will forget what you say, they will forget what you do, but they will never forget. How you made them feel. That is a powerful thought. And I kind of honed in on that this week. They'll never forget how they made you feel. And we need to embrace that in regards to this devoted series. See, our key verse is Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the sharing in meals. See how important is this really? church, it's absolutely critical. There are eternal souls that are at stake. And by the way, when I was thinking about this, just kind of brainstorming in my own mind, I thought, okay, of heaven, like hospitality, generosity to the max. Well, the opposite There will be a lack of food, a lack of drink in hell. If you want to look it up, you can look it up later. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. It's a story of Lazarus and the rich man. And there will be a lack of food and a lack of water for eternity if we don't make it to heaven. But again, there's this link between food and souls. If we feed them, they'll turn to Jesus. I'm thinking, is that possible? How important is it really? It's so important that Paul sees some bad behavior in the early church in Corinth and around eating meals together, and he writes it in, in Scripture, and it's found, and he corrects them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 and 22. Look what it says. It says, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you Hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. Some strong words. Paul, he's saying, look, we've got to make sure this is attended to. And of course, that's connected to communion, and we're going to get there in a second. But in that verse, we see that they're not sharing. There's obviously a lack of joy, a lack of generosity or hospitality, and they're not waiting. And Paul was not about to let it slide. And when I think about waiting, I often will talk about the story of the Mbagus, and uh, this is another thing that I'm known for. My kids will say, uh, "Let me tell you the story of the Mbagus. I'm Benve, <laughs> you know, and, and thing. But if you haven't heard it, the Mbagwus were a family of six. They had four children. I, when I was a kids' pastor back in Dayton, Ohio, two kids were in elementary. Two kids were in youth group, and they invited us out to dinner after church one day. Reagan was just a little, like maybe under a year old, and we were like, this is awesome. And by the way, that's what we've been encouraging you for the last couple of weeks is invite someone out to eat, like share a meal together as a takeaway from this whole devoted series. But this is how I can best uh, explain it. We're at church. And the M'Bagwus, they said, hey, we're going to go to this buffet, which is about 15 minutes away here. And, uh, but before we left the church, Reagan, no fault of her own, she has a huge blowout. How many parents have ever been there? Plans ruined, Right. And we're like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? And they're like, oh, no problem. We didn't have an extra set of clothes. We didn't have a way to clean it up. So the church is here, the buffet 15 minutes away. We lived 15 minutes this direction. uh, And so we went home, changed Reagan, got back in the car, and went back to the buffet Probably 45 minutes or more, although I was thinking about it, if uh, truth be told, I may have broke a few speeding laws that day. I don't condone that, young drivers. But anyway, the Mbagus, when we got to the buffet, a buffet with four young kids, they had not had one bit of food. They waited for us. And I've told that story so many times, and Jessica's like, why do you tell that? This week, I was reminded of it again, after listening to that podcast. Go back to that last quote. It says, people will forget what you say, they'll forget what you do, but they will never forget how they made you feel. When we walked in, and they hadn't eaten with kids at a buffet, it made us feel like we were the most important. They waited for us. And it it, it impacted me. Hospitality. Acts 2.42 says all the believers devoted themselves to sharing in meals. Right? And they waited. They weren't waiting, and Paul was making a deal of that, saying, hey, pay attention. This series of devoted, it's so important. It's critical. We need to heed the encouragement that's in Scripture here. It's the nature of God to be generous, to be hospitable. If the verse goes on, all the believers devoted themselves to sharing the meals, including, I love this, the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. There was an emphasis on keeping Jesus' death and resurrection at the center of their gatherings. So they weren't just gathering and just had superficial conversations. They talked about Jesus. They went deep. And when we think about communion, uh, that's what is described here, the Lord's Supper. You say, well, what really matters is souls. And they're remembering what the Lord had done for them. Remembering Passover, the Old Testament tradition, Jesus had reinterpreted that. And what's interesting is by the time Acts is there, Jesus has already gone to heaven. But they're remembering back to Jesus early on, describing himself, that he's going to reinterpret the Passover. In John 6.35 is a great example. It's Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry thirsty. Jesus is the bread of life. He's talking about spiritual food here, which is the most important. Another example in Mark, or Matthew 26, you can write it down, look it up. Jesus compares himself to food and his sacrifice. The thing I want to see is that this food became a platform for fellowship, deeply sharing God's word, sharing teaching, and the result, again, people were saved and added to the church. To me, where the rubber meets the road, and I've, I just want to read what I wrote, and I want this to sink in. It's not on the screens. Church, when we get this right, our friends, our coworkers, our family members, I even wrote our enemies, will be drawn to Jesus. And like, what? Our hospitality, our generosity, our sharing of food, our sharing of ourselves going deep, the result is mind-blowing. Kind of like if I do less, God does more. Is that even possible? Yes. I share food and people come to know Jesus. Think, what? That's too easy. Well, the key is in the fellowship, our focusing on relationship, our relationship with God, being intentional. The place doesn't matter. Someone on Wednesday night wrote on uh, their little card, uh, illustration, they said, it says in the Bible that they met in homes. Well, uh, we have restaurants. They didn't have restaurants then. I don't know if that's true or not, but the point is, it doesn't matter where you meet. The point is that you go deep, that you're intentional. If you're at a park or at a restaurant, having a picnic, or if you're in your home, the key is that you're intentional to win one more. Church, this morning, I want to ask you a question. When you think of this message, you think of that verse, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads, and I'm going to ask the band to come to help us. We're going to receive communion here in a moment, but before we do, I just believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking, and He speaks to each of us in a different way. But I want you to just wrestle with your mind and think of this message of what you can remember. Like, what's the standout? What's the nugget that you want to take away? Is it how you make people feel is what will really last? Is it maybe sharing a meal? It may be inviting somebody over? Or maybe it's the correction of bad behavior, saying, man, I, I, I'm missing it in some way. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What is He speaking to you? And when there's a takeaway that comes to mind something you can kind of hang on to what I'd like you to do is once that once you kind of have that in your mind saying okay this is this is the thing I want to remember I want you just to stand right where you are and we're going to prepare to sing prepare for communion but when they the when the takeaway comes and you're saying okay this is this is how I can put this into action um, again my generosity my sharing my hospitality Maybe it's the part of, I do less, God does more. When you have that takeaway, I just want you just to stand right where you are. It'll just, it'll kind of help us to know when we're ready to move forward. What is God speaking to you this morning? Thank you, Lord, for speaking. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself. Bring us back to a moment in this message. All the believers devoted, they're sharing meals. Awesome. Awesome. As we prepare for communion this morning, um, if you didn't receive communion elements, they're out on the tables. Um, we, um, we have some of the traditional ones that we've been using. We also have some that are the double cup And so you take the one cup out, it's got the bread in it, and then you have the juice, and so be careful with those. But uh, while we sing, if you didn't get uh, communion elements, we want to make sure that you're especially on a message like this, that we're not going to partake without everyone being prepared. But uh, Pastor Bobby, why don't you lead us as we prepare for communion today? I want us to imagine that we're the early church were gathering. It says they gathered in their homes, but they also gathered in the temple. And daily they were partaking in the Lord's supper. And they were remembering what Jesus laid before them. And it's captured in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where we already talked about Paul was correcting their behavior. But earlier on in verse 23, it says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night When he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can you imagine? These are eyewitness people that had seen Jesus die and crucified, seen his body beaten and bruised and placed on a cross then they saw him alive and then ascend to heaven. And they're saying, we're going to remember the death and resurrection until he comes. And that's what we partake in with the ages. We get to do the same. And so let's just thank the Lord for his body this morning. Thank you, Lord. Just in your own words, under your breath, just thank you, Jesus, for the body of Christ. So meaningful. Thank you, of the body together. And then it says in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant between the gospel or between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. He basically is describing an Old Testament practice of Passover and he's redefining it and saying, hey, this has all been about me. You talking about the blood of Jesus. He says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. And again, we're partnering with the, with the believers of old. The, for ages and ages, we've, we've done this. And we do it today for the glory of God. We thank the Lord for his blood. Church, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It's the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. It's the blood of Jesus that makes us whole, that, makes a, that there's healing, atonement in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood. Let's thank the Lord.
0: Jesus we thank you that you are our hope you are our salvation lord Lord and we thank you of the power of your table lord that all people of all walks of life are welcome and have a seat at your table lord that it is the great equal Ground, Lord, that no matter how far gone someone is, no matter how broken someone is, no matter what someone's economic status or race is, Lord, every person is welcome to have a seat at your table, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this powerful illustration, Lord, and let it be something that resounds in our hearts. Lord, let us think of even our own tables who aren't we leaving a seat open? Lord, maybe it's you. Maybe we haven't left a seat open for you. That, Lord, we're afraid of what you might speak to us, what you might say to us, the influence that you would have on us. So, Lord, we leave a seat open for you at our table. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to search our hearts this week for those in our community, those in our church Lord, those around us who don't have a seat at our table, Lord, that it might be a reflection of someone we might need to offer forgiveness for, forgiveness towards, Lord. Maybe it's someone who we have forgotten about, who the world has forgotten about, someone that we might even hate or have bitterness towards, Lord. Lord, if every person is welcome at your table, let us not welcome people at ours because it says that we think we are better judges than you Lord so challenge us open our eyes to see who we've forgotten those we've hurt and Lord help us to forgive those who have hurt us as well Lord Lord and we thank you for the freedom for the peace for the restoration, for the generosity, for the fellowship that comes when we break bread together. And I pray that as we go out and as we eat delicious food together, Lord, that you will bind our hearts together, that you will build friendships today. Lord, and that everyone feels welcomed and loved as we partake in the continuation of breaking of bread here in a moment. We give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service. Uh, if you don't know, there's a potluck going on, so grab your kids, head out. We already prayed for the food, so grab some food, and it is going to be an awesome time. Stay as long as you want. It's going to be a party. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at the